The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 260. I hope that you guys are doing very well today. If you are struggling with OCD or anxiety, then you can get a free session with me. To get that, all you need to do is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. There you can book that session directly, uh, or if you prefer, you can send me a message and let me know about what you're struggling with. In today's podcast, um, this is a a bit of a special episode actually because I'm speaking uh, with Isabel who is uh, a friend of mine uh, who lives here in Barcelona and uh, recently she set up um, a a business that focuses on helping people to to sleep better. Uh, The business is called uh, The Sleepy Armadillo and if you want to find out more about that uh, you can find uh, information in the sh- in, in the show notes. Uh, her website is uh, sleepyarmadillo.com. Um, Isabel supports adults return to restorative sleep through evidence-based techniques, tailored sleep education, advanced coaching techniques, and incremental changes to behaviors and lifestyle that make a big impact. She identifies the root causes of each client's sleep issues and works collaboratively with her clients to create a sleep plan that outlines the steps needed to return to restorative sleep without the use of lotions, potions, rituals or pills. With over 20 years experience of coaching and several sleep and coaching uh, certifications, her clients consistently see positive results in their sleep and their lives. She is a former insomniac and a self-proclaimed worry wart, so she can really relate to her clients and what they are actually going through. At its worst, Isabel was sleeping two to three hours per night, most nights of the week, brought about by a combination of self-sabotaging behaviours, panic disorder and poor lifestyle choices. It was not until she began to understand the biology of sleep, what she calls the sleep generators, and what gets in the way of our natural sleep biology, she calls sleep uh, saboteurs, that she began to see improvements in her sleep. Her approach combines methodology from CBT for insomnia, acceptance and commitment for insomnia, with an integrated and holistic approach that gives her the tools to really understand each client's specific situation and how to improve it. She is a certified sleep coach, a sleep uh, sleep enthusiast and sleep educator, working both privately one-to-one and also sprinkling the fairy dust of sleep amongst businesses and organizations across the world. And finally, Isabel is a breathwork and meditation facilitator, a certified yoga teacher, a pro bono mentor for women in business and actively contributes her time to local animal welfare charities. 
Um, I think you'll find it's a really, uh, really interesting conversation. And I really do think it will be helpful because sleep is obviously so important when it comes to uh, when it comes to anxiety, um, you know, and general mental health matters. So therefore, obviously, OCD as well. And uh, it's something that we haven't really spoken about on the podcast before. Um, Isabel is clearly very passionate about helping people with this and spreading the word um, about you know just how important it, it really is so um, I really hope that you you find it helpful as always if you have any questions then uh, do please let me know and um, yeah I really hope that you enjoy Hi Isabel welcome to the podcast Thanks, Rob. It's so great to be here with you today. Yeah, it's really great to, to have you on. We've been trying to organise this for a while. Um, I think this is a really interesting topic, so uh, it's, it's brilliant to have you here. Um, to start off with, could you just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I live uh, just south of Barcelona in a little town called Sitges. I am an entrepreneur. I've set up a couple of businesses now and the one that I'm here to talk about is called The Sleepy Armadillo. Uh, Within this business, I'm focused on supporting adults improve their sleep. It's a much underserved market and I can talk about that later if you'd like. Um, But really, um, I wanted to, because of my own experiences with sleep uh, problems in the past, I wanted to make sure that I was dedicating myself to something that I was really passionate about. So yeah, I'm absolutely here to talk about all things sleep. Um, Outside of that, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a uh, meditation and breathwork facilitator. I have two cats and I'm living here in sunny Spain. Fantastic. So um, now, uh, right now we we have a very young baby at home and obviously... um, you know, trying to get her to, to sleep sometimes is incredibly difficult. And I think most uh, parents can can recognize the, the difficulties with that. But obviously, you're focusing uh, on, on sleep for, for adults. So can you tell us more about, you know, why you decided to, to kind of get into sleep coaching? Um, and, you know, why do you want to support people with, with these kinds of issues? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my heart goes out to you because I'm sure, like many parents, um, it's a real challenge at the moment. Mm. But my focus, yeah, is on adults. And there's two reasons why I decided to do this. The first is that, for me, adults are a really underserved market in terms of sleep. We tend to have two options. Option one is Dr. Google. Uh, And that gives us a plethora of uh, solutions, sticky plasters, quick fixes, none of which uh, are likely to work because we don't really stick at them and we don't really know the root cause of the sleep problem. And so like uh, many people, I'm sure many of your listeners that may have sleep problems, I tried everything under the sun from weighted blankets to magnesium to melatonin to sleeping pills, etc. And, you know, the, the, the Internet is wonderful. It gives us all these fantastic ideas, but really it doesn't give us the root cause of our sleep problems. So that's the first option. That's the first reason. And the second reason is that um, the other route to fixing our sleep problems is via the doctor. And uh, many of my clients and perhaps many of your listeners 
uh, will go to the doctor and experience um, and be prescribed sleeping pills. And sleeping pills have their time and place, and uh, we can talk about that later if you'd like. But really, they're quite a blunt instrument to fix uh, fix the problem, and they're really designed for short-term acute sleeping problems. They're not le- they're not designed for long-term use um, for a number of reasons, uh, and yet many people are using them for months, years, even decades. and And so, for those two reasons, I felt that it was really important for me to. Um, open a practice supporting adults to improve their sleep. There's also a backstory which I can just go to through briefly if that mm, would be absolutely, helpful. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from a personal perspective, I am absolutely a sleep enthusiast, and the reason is because in the past I used to have sleeping problems myself, and this was brought about by a series of um, well, a number of events. I was living in in London. I had the t- typical London life of putting everything in and not taking anything out, you know, working long hours, very active social life, very active in the gym. And one day I had my first panic attack. And if any of your listeners have had a panic attack, you Mm. actually feel like you're dying. Mm, It's a scary experience. And from that point on, I decided I wanted to change my life. Um, and change some of the fundamentals and the lifestyle that I was leading. And so I wanted to address sleep because I had purposely shaved off sleep in a bid to be more productive, which was uh, foolish of me. And it's when I wanted to reintroduce sleep and get the sleep that actually my body needed that I found that I couldn't. And so that was began a long journey. This was about 18 years ago, a long journey of trying to improve and trying everything, including sleep meds, to be able to restore my sleep. Uh, and it was not until I came across a number of uh, tools and techniques, specifically cognitive and behavioral therapy for insomnia, acceptance and commitment therapy for insomnia, and also really understanding sleep biology. Like we need to understand the biology of how our body works in order to then generate sleep. So that was those three things that then uh, led me down down this, this path. And I guess from a very personal reason, I really want to help people return to restorative sleep. Yeah, I mean, that's really, really fascinating. And, um, you know, it's interesting as well that you kind of have your own personal story there. Uh, with anxiety and 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 panic attacks and you know how yeah. you're you know recognizing the importance of of sleep uh in order to to manage those things you know so often um we're getting lost in um, looking for the perfect solution or the, the perfect technique to help us to manage ocd or anxiety or other mental health challenges whilst ignoring some of the the more basic, uh, obvious things that we, we tend to take for granted, like diet and, and uh, exercise and, and sleep. Um, and sleep, in a way, is, you know, one of the most fundamental things that, you know, so many of us in today's culture are, you know, not really getting enough of. And so I really feel like it's, uh, a, a, you know, a really important area to discuss. So it's, it's fantastic that you're, that you're doing this work. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's um, I don't feel that sleep has had the same exposure yet as nutrition and movement. 
but it's my personal opinion that it is absolutely the third pillar of uh, of well-being that really needs to focus because of the incredible benefits and the impacts of good quality sleep has on all elements of your life including how you move and how you eat in fact so yeah so for me it's it's uh, clearly obviously for obvious reasons it's a, re- a real focus but I think it should be on everyone's agenda because it's such an important part of our overall well-being. Yeah I completely agree uh, with you there Isabel so can you tell us more about why we actually sleep? Yeah, it's a great question, Rob, Um, because actually we spend almost one third of our lives sleeping and many of us are not clear of of what the purpose of sleep is. Um, But there are a number of really fundamental things that happen when we sleep. The first is rest and repair. So on a cellular level, um, growth hormones are released, which stimulate uh, growth and cell reproduction and cell regeneration. So really important benefit there. Um, There's also a blood sugar regulation, a metabolic uh, benefit that happens while we sleep. But probably for your listeners, one of the most important areas is that uh, sleep gives us benefit for our mental health and emotional regulation. Um, So sufficient sleep facilitates the brain's processing of emotional uh, information that may have happened the day before, but also prepares us to deal with difficult um, and cope with difficult situations which come to us the the following day. Mm, Absolutely, yeah, and obviously it completely makes sense. Um, So could you kind of uh, dive into that a bit deeper, please? You know, what, what is the link then between anxiety and sleep? Absolutely. So there's a number of uh, areas where uh, sleep and anxiety have a bi-directional relationship. And what we mean by this is one has the ability to impact the other. Um, So, for example, one of the things we often see is that um, uh, people with anxiety disorders are often more likely to ruminate Uh, when they get into bed. Uh, And this obviously is a very wakeful activity, rumination. Um, So we often see people with high levels of anxiety more prone to rumination, particularly when they're going to bed. Um, The other part that we see quite often is heightened or hyper arousal. So this feeling of being tired, but wired, which many people might be able to relate to. And here it's really about... um, Uh, hooking into unhelpful thoughts, particularly around sleep. So you may be prone to anxiety in the first place. And then when you experience nights of sleeplessness, then you start to worry about the impact that will have on your, um, you know, your ability to Mm. function the following day and beyond that. Yeah. Um, And then the third area uh, where it's sleep and anxiety are linked is really around anticipatory anxiety. And this is something I used to have quite a lot. So, for example, the anticipation of, of having to go to sleep causes anxiety. Uh, for many months and, and almost a year, I actually slept outside of my bedroom because going to the bedroom caused me a great deal of anxiety uh, mm. because of that association um, that yeah. had happened, the conditioned association. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then finally, yeah, and then and then finally, there's this tendency to extrapolate. So that that is what I what I mean by that is taking one poor night of sleep, or maybe one or two, and extrapolating that to be 
this will mean that I will be sleeping badly for the next, you know, period or months or years. Uh, so catastrophizing mind. And, and that's how we see that there's a very strong link between, um, between anxiety and sleep disorders. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. And, um, you know, so often we can just uh, simplify things and think, well, I just can't sleep because I can't sleep. But actually, when you break it down and you look at the different reasons, I think it's really helpful because you can start to uh, identify, OK, you know, perhaps it's this or perhaps it's that or perhaps I need to change this element of preparation before sleep or this limiting belief that I might have about it or whatever it is. So, yeah, I think that's really helpful to break it down in that way. Um, so what are some of the most common types of sleep problems that you that you see in your your practice? Yeah, there tend to be four types of uh, sleep problems that I see. The first is sleep onset or our ability to fall asleep. And I gave you a good example of of my um, problem around that in the past. Um, And then we have sleep maintenance. So that's where we might actually get to sleep very quickly, maybe perhaps too quickly because we're exhausted, uh, but we're waking up frequently through the night. Now, one thing just to note is that our sleep sleep architecture, which is the uh, the cycling that we do through light to deep to REM sleep four to five times over an average night, means that we're actually in a wakeful state three or four times. But what happens is with some people, that some clients that I see, is that they're waking up and they're uncomfortable or they're they're experiencing unhelpful thoughts and feelings and sensations uh, when they're waking up and that's then causing them to stay awake for longer than they than they would and they're remembering obviously that experience so sleep maintenance is a biggie Uh, the third one is uh, waking up too early so waking up earlier than you're uh, supposed to and not being able to get back to sleep um, and then um, the fourth one is waking up unrefreshed upon waking. Now, that could be for a number of reasons. Some people, for example, are getting enough sleep, but they're waking up unrefreshed. And when I see that, and particularly if it's associated with headaches, then there's a, uh, a referral to go and get a sleep study done because it may be um, sleep apnea, which is a restriction of breath during sleep. Mm. So um, those are the four main ones that I see and probably the most common ones that your audience will be experiencing. Yeah, it's quite interesting, the, the final one that you were talking about there. Um, you know, definitely I've noticed um, in the past, for example, when I used to, to uh, drink alcohol on a, a fairly regular basis, that, that often I would wake up in the middle of the night or very early in the morning and not be able to get back to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a number of reasons for that. It may well be that you need to go to the bathroom, uh, but more often than not, it's more likely to be that your body is metabolizing the sugars in the alcohol, and that's what's keeping you up in the middle of the night. Mm, Absolutely. Okay, so um, can we take this opportunity uh, to uh, discuss some common beliefs that that people uh, have about sleep? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you mentioned earlier around this sort of search for perfection and and this is one of the most common um, misconceptions around sleep. 
this myth that adults need eight hours of sleep. And the reason why it's unhelpful, uh, and I try to dissuade people from setting these types of goals when they're working with me, is that that eight hours is definitely not an average. So the most adults need between seven to nine hours. But obviously our needs change as, we're, uh, as we age as well. So when we're young, when we're babies, we might need 16 to 17, and then that will then decrease as we get older. Um, but also, if you're a woman, then your needs might change uh, as, as you go through different transitions in your life and things like that. And so um, this myth that we need eight hours, which is still propagated and is really unhelpful, means that if you're not getting eight hours, then you feel like you've somehow failed. Yes, it's interesting because I remember when I had uh, one of these uh, watches that, <clears throat> that would track your sleep. Actually, I found it more annoying, more frustrating, because often I would wake up thinking, oh, I think I actually slept really well, and then check my watch, and it would be like, nah, you had like five hours sleep, and you were interrupted the whole time. And then, of course, it's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you go throughout your day thinking, oh, no, I didn't get a good night's sleep, and you feel bad. Whereas, actually, you know, if you actually have that belief that you slept well, mm. then you do feel better. Yeah, absolutely. It's the power of the mind. I often get asked about wearables because there's a, you know, there's a big uh, craze of them at the moment. And in fact, I do wear one myself. My advice on that is is two things. First of all, go for uh, trends. So as opposed as opposed to trying to hit a certain number of hours, a certain number or percentage of your sleep in deep sleep, then you know actually just looking at the trend over the period over a period of a couple of months and see that you're moving in the right direction. That is more important, more useful, I think. I think the second thing about wearables is that there's a real focus on the architecture. I talked about this light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, and hitting a certain percentage of deep sleep is going to be the best for you. Now, the reality is the technology is not yet there um, to replicate a proper sleep study where they put the electrodes on you and, and really understand that. So I wouldn't pay too much attention to the percentage of time you've felt in deep sleep. I use uh, a self-reported sleep diary with my clients, and that is much more accurate tracker of how they're sleeping, but also how they're feeling in the morning. Because mm. as you said, your tracker might be telling you one thing, um, and you might feel quite differently. And that, for me, is more interesting data mm. than the tracker itself. Absolutely. Okay, so now I guess we get into uh, like the, the big question, the useful question. Not to say that the other questions have not been useful and all the other information that you've provided today has also been very useful. But obviously, people want to get to the heart and they want to know, how can I sleep better, Isabel? What can I do in order to sleep better? So uh, over to you. Yeah, absolutely. It is the, it is the killer question. So um, the first thing is, is understanding your sleep biology. Um, there are two sleep generators. Your body knows how to sleep and more often than not, we're getting in the way of our natural biology. So let's just be really uh, focused on that for one second. The first uh, biological sleep generator is sleep pressure or sleep drive. And essentially, this is about being awake. So the more you're awake, the higher the pressure. Uh, a nice analogy is to think of it as a balloon. 
and you wake up in the morning, the balloon is deflated. And as you go through your day, the balloon gets more and more inflated and it gets its most taut just before you go to bed. Now, if you can imagine if that balloon, if you take a nap, that balloon then deflates a little bit, okay? And that includes a little micro nap on the, uh, on the, um, on the couch before bed. Mm. So the more you're awake, the less, the more you're likely to sleep, okay? And you can test this at home by not having any stimulants or caffeine or, or other stimulants and try to stay awake at ho- as, as much as you can. You will eventually fall asleep because your body needs that. Um, why this is interesting is because often when we have sleep problems, behaviors get in the way. So, for example, one of the things that we often do is we go to bed early to anticipate, to greaten the opportunity of sleep. Uh, and our bodies are not ready for that. Or we take a nap. Again, that deflates the ability uh, of our body to sleep. Okay, so really understanding that being awake and active is what generates sleep. Uh, is really, really important for me was one of the turning points of how to improve my own sleep. The second biological generator of sleep is our circadian rhythm. That's our 24-hour body clock that governs a whole host of things, including hormone release, core body temperature, and our sleep-wake cycle. And this is triggered by the sun. Our body loves regularity and consistency. So keeping to a regular wake-up time, particularly, I'm less Less fussed about the going to bed time. Just don't go to bed until you're sleepy, droopy-eyed with sleepiness is what I always advise. Um, because going to bed early means that you won't, your body won't be ready for it. You'll get frustrated. That will cause sleeplessness. Okay, but waking up at the same time, getting sunlight because the circadian rhythm is reset by sunlight and it's vitamin D, which is great for our sleep as well. And ensuring that you're active um, and that you're eating well throughout the day is also really important. Now, how this works, for example, an hour before you wake up, your body temperature rises uh, a little bit and it releases the cortisol. That's our activating um, hormone. And in the evening, as the sun goes down, melatonin is naturally released into our bloodstream. So these things are all linked. It's not just sleep is just a thing that happens at the end of the day. It's absolutely integrated into our whole metabolic system. Uh, So understanding that is really important. And then using these two things, your sleep pressure and your circadian rhythm, leveraging those is really, really key. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's uh, really good advice there. Um, Okay, so can you tell us how you um, incorporate uh, these things into the work that you do with uh, the Sleepy Armadillo? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I said, there are the two sleep generators, uh, sleep pressure and uh, circadian rhythm. But then there are sleep saboteurs. So we need to understand, because if it was just as simple as those two things, then, you know, people like me wouldn't exist. However, there's absolutely things that are getting in the way of our natural biology. And the most important thing is our mind. Mm. Um, so what one of the areas that I primarily work is around hyperarousal. So that's what I talked about earlier, where we're either um, anticipating sleeplessness 
or we're worried and hooked into unhelpful thoughts. Uh, and that's where the coaching is really, really important, okay? But also that then manifests itself in certain behaviors like going to bed too early, like sleeping in on the weekends, like taking naps uh, and trying you know, all the supplements under the sun to try to fix our sleep. And it's, it's those saboteurs that are essentially getting in the way of your natural sleep biology. So in answer to your question, how I work with my clients is, first of all, we work on ev- with evidence-based techniques, cognitive and behavioral therapy for insomnia, and ACT as well, acceptance and commitment therapy for insomnia. And I use those tools to make sure that I give them a very personalized approach to what's, what they're facing into in, in terms of their sleep. Because not everyone will have the sl- same sleep generators, uh, sorry, the same sleep saboteurs. And some people will need to dial up on the hyperarousal. Some people will need to focus more on the um, behaviors. But essentially, through those techniques, understanding the sleep drivers and understanding the sleep saboteurs, we're able to then create a very personalized approach to help them return to restorative sleep. And it's not an overnight process, obviously. It takes some time. Uh, It takes an investment in their time as well because, um, you know, if you change nothing, nothing changes, right? So um, part of us, uh, our relationship is a commitment from them to make some incremental changes that will then have a big impact on their sleep and their life because Mm. sleep, if you sleep badly, it impacts all parts of your life. Absolutely. And, you know, I very much relate to the incremental approach uh, to coaching when I'm coaching people with OCD and anxiety, because, you know, of course, if we are going to make changes uh, to our habits, um, we have to do it in that way. We unfortunately can't just have a a quick intervention that is just going to change everything. Um, Things just don't work like that. And I I guess it's the same with sleep, Um, you know, focusing on a a long-term strategy and, and seeing some small improvements, um, you know, that, that hopefully will give you that encouragement to, to keep, to keep moving and making those changes, changes in the, in the long term is, you know, is a much healthier and realistic approach than, you know, demanding, uh, this kind of perfection, um, which unfortunately I think can, can just make it harder to make the changes that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It it is about incremental change and that's why the program takes, you know, 6 to 8 weeks to start to see that. But within a couple of weeks, um what we do see is people regaining a trust in their ability to sleep and trust in their own body, which if anyone has had chronic sleep problems, you literally often get to the point where you feel like you're broken. You, you're unable to do a fundamental part of what, what being a, alive is, sleeping, and therefore you're somehow broken. And, you know, I, any listeners that feel like that, you're not broken, um, and this is not something you need to fix. We just need to work through what's sabotaging your natural biology. Mm. Um, but it's really important that kind of trusting, that confidence, as you say, in your body and its ability to do what it's designed to do. Yeah. Now, it's very interesting because, you know, I speak a lot on the podcast about self-compassion. Mm. Um, and, and when we put ourselves under these these pressures, you know, to, to just change and for everything to be better and, you know, just doing everything you can in order for things to be just right, um, you know, we're just being really quite 
harsh on ourselves and you know creating resistance to 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 what is and you know I, I think the approach that that you're talking about is you know when you do start to to treat yourself a bit more uh, with a bit more kindness um you're a bit more gentle with yourself that that actually you know after a week or two you know you do start to see the changes because you're no longer demanding uh, certain things and you're getting more into your natural rhythm like i really liked what you were saying about you know not not demanding that you have to have those eight hours you know yeah absolutely being um kind to yourself i think you know in my experience personally and with the clients that i see they often are really hard on themselves and um because it's like i can't even do this basic thing right you know what's wrong with me and so part of my role is to help them reestablish that gentle, I love that word, relationship with themselves so that they can start to trust themselves again, that they're able, you know, they don't, sleep should not be an effort. The moment, in fact, it's the only activity probably in your whole life that is not rewarded by effort. Uh, the more you try, the less likely you will sleep, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. this is what I mean, that we're getting actually in the way of our sleep mm. rather than um, rather than trying new and technical you know uh new techniques or quick fixes which is the ultimate you know dr google solution yeah quick fix probably costing a lot of money unfortunately as well yeah absolutely um yeah there's there's a lot of crossover here between how you would deal with intrusive thoughts or or very uncomfortable emotions in the body um you know of of not actually trying to to fix them um, of recognizing that, like you were saying earlier, that you're not broken, um, that it's just uh, you're going through this difficult phase and actually, you know, you don't need to fight against these things, that actually the solution will, will come along uh, of its own accord when you just learn to get more in tune with yourself again. Um, you yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. And that's why there's a lot of crossover because um, one of the things that we look at is those intrusive and unhelpful thoughts that visit you in the middle of the night, which uh, I would argue you're most vulnerable uh, because you're alone, you probably haven't slept or you've slept poorly. And so, you know, trying to wrestle with them or, 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 or push them away is obviously one of the most common techniques that people try. Uh, my approach to those I think is similar to yours which is let's make space for them uh, and accept them as part of our human condition and therefore take away some of their power Um, that's one of the ACT approaches Mm. around it obviously which is really really a much more gentle approach I think but yeah the thoughts that visit you at night which are you know can be quite uh, overwhelming are really where the focus for much of the coaching happens if if indeed that's where the client needs absolutely yeah yeah i think there's a, there's there's the crossover there because we both have this focus on uh, acceptance commitment therapy so it's quite interesting um okay how about um supplements do you uh, recommend them well my view is and by the way this is uh, from someone that used to supplement to the eyeballs <laughs> So uh, it's definitely not a judgment, but had I my time again, I would always advise getting tested. 
So um, in the past, I've done this and I see a lot of people doing this now where people are talking about magnesium or zinc or iron or melatonin and they rush out and buy these things without really knowing uh, what is in them, first of all, and I'll talk about that in a second, but also um, whether they need them. So yes, there are people that are deficient in magnesium and zinc and we know that these minerals are really important for sleep. But I would advise going to either a registered nutritionist or your um, physician and getting properly tested to understand what, uh, what, what, if any, minerals and vitamins you're deficient in. And then obviously taking the appropriate supplements. Or my first port of call is eating correctly to get the, to, the, to get the um, vitamins and minerals you need. But if that's not possible, then obviously supplementation as well. Um, but... Uh, get tested first before so you know kind of what where your particular situation is um, interesting about melatonin there's a massive craze for it at the moment and lots of people are taking it uh, there was a study done in 2017 where they uh, investigated the content of over 30 commercial melatonin supplements and found and this is very worrying that there was a difference in the reported content versus the actual content of between 83 percent less and 478% more than what was actually stated on the packet because it's an unregulated hormone. It's a hormone, by the way, it's not a supplement. So, you know, this is really worrying for me because people are taking quite high doses. Oh, and they also found serotonin in there as well, which is a neurotransmitter and happy, happy neurotransmitter, but should not be in melatonin. Um, so, you know, this is, uh, this is what we're, we're seeing in some of the melatonin. And so, I'm not saying it's not uh, useful. It's very useful, particularly for sleep onset and sleep timing. Um, but, you know, understand what you're taking as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's really good advice because, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of different people over the years talking about uh, supplements that they've bought and then finding out, you know, a few years later that um, the uh, the source materials of those supplements were actually very low quality uh, in some cases were toxic and you know people had been uh, giving them to their families and, and things like that and yep. uh, you know so really doing your homework I think and you know maybe not just looking up on Amazon and buying your supplements there um, which you know I've definitely done myself uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah if you can do your homework on that I think it pays off okay so I've got one final question um if you only uh, had had uh, one thing that you could tell people about how to kind of manage their, their sleep and their anxiety better, uh, what would that be? So it's difficult to, to wheedle this down to one, but I think the probably the most important is to stop chasing sleep. And it goes to what I talked about earlier about effort so the more you try to chase sleep the more it will uh, elude you and unfortunately um, the moment we become attached to a desired outcome the eight hours or a good night's sleep uh, a perfect night's sleep we are likely to push sleep away so if you've had a poor night's sleep, which we all have, by the way, and it's no, no, no such person exists that hasn't had a poor night's sleep, um, 
I'm going to ask you to do something which sounds counterintuitive, which is get on with your day. Uh, and the reason why is that we then become less attached to the specific outcome of a particular day and we're more attached to the life that we want. So this is about going, getting closer to the things that are important to you. And although this seems strange for a sleep expert and giving less credence to the sleep itself of that one particular night. So if you wake up, you feel crappy, still go to the gym unless it's unsafe for you to go to. Um, still uh, get on with your day, honor the commitments to yourself um, and to others. And then, you know, good sleep will come eventually. Um, but changing, what, what happens is if we change our agenda, then we're actually giving a lot of weight to that particular night's sleep and it has the impact, it has the potential to impact future nights. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I um, Because, again, it's about going with the flow and going with the rhythm. And yeah, of course, when you do have a bad night's sleep, which is going to happen, if you then let that affect the rest of your day um, mentally, then it's likely now to lead to more kind exactly. of bad bad nights and yeah and that's when you start to hook into the uh the uncomfortable or or, or discomfort that is, is associated with it the thoughts feelings and sensations that come with not being able to sleep uh, the best thing you can do is draw a line on it there's absolutely nothing you can do to improve the previous night but you can live the life that you want fantastic um isabel thank you so much for coming on and speaking to uh, to us um, if people want to find out more about your, your coaching and your work, what can they do? Sure. Th and thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to be here today. Uh, so you can find me, I'm guessing, in the show notes um, via my website, which is sleepyarmadillo.com or my Instagram pages, which are sleepy underscore armadillo. Uh, via Facebook as well, which we will put in the show notes uh, or via my email, which we can then uh, put in the, in the notes as well. Awesome. So uh, thanks a lot. And uh, I hope everyone found that helpful. I'm sure you did. It's really, really important to talk about this, uh, this topic of sleep. So uh, thanks again. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.